0: So will you recognize Jesus when he comes again is my question today. Will you recognize Jesus when he comes again? We don't know if he's coming in our life. But the first arrival of Jesus, people had a hard time recognizing him. We're in John chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to there, John chapter seven. If you have the Grace Capital Church app, or if you don't, you can download it. You can find the Bible under the more section of the app. You want to be in John chapter 7 because we're going to be talking about um, Jesus and his interaction with his siblings, with the religious leaders, and how many of them did not believe in Jesus as the coming Messiah. And it's interesting. Have you ever put yourself into the shoes of the early, well, some 2,000 years ago? Would you have been one to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, that he was who he said and claimed he was? Would you be the one to say, yes, I would acknowledge that. But if you really thought long and hard, you have a person that belonged to a family from Galilee, had brothers and sisters, yes, performed some miracles, but is this really the Messiah? I'll tell you, the Jewish people, they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Many of them. Especially the religious ones. So so what is it about religiosity that prevents us from being able to acknowledge the coming of our Savior? So some of you might be noticing, why, why is he wearing a hat? I've never seen him wear a hat before. Did some of that bother you? Like... How sacrilegious. <laughs> Wearing a hat, delivering the word of God. Um, I, can somebody tell me what this hat says? I, I can't remember. Come up here, Zach. What does this hat say? Jesus was wrongly judged. Oh, Jesus was wrongly judged. So, so I wonder if any of you were judging me. I know you weren't. I know you weren't. I, I, don't, I don't think you were wrongly judging me. You were probably rightfully judging me You're like... What is he doing wearing a hat in church? (laughs) But in many ways, our expectations can be the thing that clouds our ability to see clearly. Our expectations. John chapter 7 says this. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go into Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews, the Feast of Booths was at hand. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may also see your works you are doing. For one who works in secret, if he seeks to be known openly, in other words, come on, Jesus, if you really say who you are, these his brothers, His actually biological, I guess they'd be half-brothers, and basically say, if you really want people to see who you are, go ahead and make your miracles. But for, verse 5, for even his brothers, for not even his brothers believed him, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. So here it is that, that Jesus is already acknowledging his brothers don't believe that this is Jesus. And you have the Jews who are looking to kill Jesus because he's making some claims that are very disturbing. And they want to basically say, we got to get rid of this guy. So what was it about the religious guys that that was, was judging wrongly? What was it about his brothers that were judging wrongly? So the Feast of Booths, why this is important, the Feast of Booths. Actually, it's named the Feast of Tabernacles, or it's the uh, Feast of Sukkot. Do I have a Jewish person here? Sukkot. Sukkot. I know we have some Jews, uh, um, Messianic Jews here too, so Sukkot. So basically this feast was this, remembering what God had done, delivering the children of Israel out into the wilderness for 40 years, and God cared for them as they were living in their tents. So tabernacles, tabernacle is a tent. So what they would do is they would gather together for this, uh, this week-long uh, feast or multiple-day um, feast and celebration, and they would build these little tents, if you will. They were like um, boughs of, uh, of branches, and they would live in these little tents in remembering what God has done. The interesting thing, there'd be a lot of ceremonial things that would take place here as well. The priests would, it was a religious ceremony, the priests would also have one of the days have a jug of water and a jug of wine and they would pour it over the altar and it would come out of the temple and it would represent one, not only God's provision, but when Moses struck the rock and water, living water came out of that rock, remembering God's provision. So it really was their feast of thanksgiving. It was um, typically done in either September or October was that feast time. And here they are now at this feast and Jesus is not going along with his brothers. He's sending them along to celebrate this feast. And then Jesus later comes in and he makes this statement. There's a lot of things that um, I want you to read along and because I'm, I'm going to go one section here in a minute. But here it is that Jesus... They're talking about him, and they basically said, don't don't even mention him in public. So people are murmuring, who's this Jesus? He's not in this event right now, but he comes to the event, and this is what he says. Verse 37, on the last day of the feast, so after all of the activities, all the things that have been going on, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, it's interesting that he stood up. Typically, when Jesus would be teaching, he would be sitting down. Here he stands up and he cries out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, the Holy Spirit that is, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the question is again, so Jesus now makes a claim that he, you believe in him, rivers of living water will flow from him. My question again is, how is it that people missed the Messiah on the first go-around? And are we potentially prone to missing Jesus coming back the second time? I know you are thinking, how could we miss it? Because in Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, it says he's coming on a white horse. He's riding in the clouds. He's holding his sword. And his face is glowing, of course, every. Everybody will be able to know who this Jesus is. Okay, there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of um, visual imagery. But I was taken by, uh, somebody posted a, a, take it for what it's worth. It's a YouTube video, right? So take it for what it's worth. But posted saying that they think that maybe the Jews have found their Jewish Messiah. That their Heshua has come, their Messiah has come to, to save them. The young man, he knows the, the, uh, the Torah extremely well, and they're revering him as, could this be the Messiah? And yet, when you see a picture of this guy, he's just a young guy and, and just a human being. And you look at it, and yet they're revering him as somebody like, of great esteem. And in many ways, that made me think about when Jesus came to this earth initially, he was not, he did not come in all of the ways that they expected him to. He was not this ruling king that was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, that they thought. Because in the Old Testament, they gave a lot of imagery of who Jesus is. And actually, I'm going to read some of those things that they, why some of the things that they did at this feast, they were thinking that would take place. In Zechariah chapter 14, it says this. "'And on that day,' talking about the day of Jesus' arrival, "'living water shall flow out from Jerusalem, "'half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. "'It shall con- continue in summer in, as in winter.'" And it's understanding that, that when the king would come, that, that everything would prosper and life would come to it. And this is why they said, you know, we want to have the ceremonial thing that when the Messiah comes, he's actually going to take a seat in the temple and he's going to rule. And, and their Messiah will actually bring prosperity. What they thought in the physical would take place. And then here we go in Ezekiel. Again, these are the Old Testament prophets. Ezekiel chapter... 47, then he brought back to me to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from um, below the south end and behold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought out to me um, by way of the north gate and led me around to the outside basically having a vision, to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out of the side. And then it was basically going on and on, saying the water got deeper and deeper. And, and here they thought this, this Messiah that would come would look a certain way. But they judged the outward appearance wrongly. You see, they couldn't understand, they, they despised Jesus because he healed him. Remember, we read this in chapter, I think, six or five, that he healed this paralytic man on the Sabbath. And Jesus, in this chapter, chapter seven, goes, y- you're mad at me, but yet you circumcise on the Sabbath, and you say this is like a religious ceremony, and that was good, but I heal. I actually brought freedom to a person who is lame, and yet you're judging me. You're actually condemning me. You're actually trying to kill me now because I'm not who you expect me to be. You see, Jesus was wrongly judged. They, they were expecting a certain thing to take place. And when their expectation wasn't met, that confused them. And now they wanted to judge him and destroy him. My question for us and, and our thing to consider is this. If our imagery of who Jesus is when he returns is symbolic, and I'm not sure if it is or isn't. He might be riding a white horse coming from the clouds, and, the, and we might be reunited with him in heaven. Our bodies, you know, because here's the thing. We've all, we've all saw those images of the Left Behind series, right? People are going to be driving their cars, and all of a sudden they're going to be gone, and cars are going to be crashing everywhere. People are going to be in planes, and then all of a sudden the pilot's gone, right? Jesus came back or whatever image that you have in your mind of the return of Jesus Christ, but, but if we have the wrong image or if we have the wrong understanding of who Jesus is and who God is, we're going to actually misjudge Jesus' return. And I'm, I'm concerned that when we misjudge that return that we'll miss out on whatever Jesus has. Remember, we say here at Grace Capital Church, we're here... Helping you get ready to meet Jesus face to face. Helping you get ready, ready to meet Jesus face to face. So, when Jesus says that he is the living water, and remember the woman at the well, he says, uh, um, You will go thirst no more. His living water in her will make her thirst no more. And then here Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What is he saying there? Come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now remember, we are the temple, and now the water is flowing out of us. But again, the the Jewish people felt like, wait a second, we wanted to see a physical king come down here and set up uh, rule and reign, and we want to see actual living water flow from the temple, right? So their image and their mind messed them up. And they couldn't see that god was giving them the gift of the messiah right in front of them so how could we not miss the second coming of jesus like the jews and like his siblings initially missed and i would even say peter after jesus went to the cross you know peter had denied jesus they were like okay we thought he was the messiah now he's going to the cross they misunderstood again like the Savior, how could he be a Savior if he's going to the cross and they, they didn't catch the spiritual implications of what was happening? Remember, I, I talk about this often because I feel like it's so pivotable. Pivot, you yeah, that word, to uh, <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. I know Jesus was falsely judged or wrongly accused. Um, but anyways, it was pivotable, that word. And, and so, because what it is, this verse right here, it says, even though we did all these things in your name, <coughs> cast out demons, prophesied, we can be doing a lot of good religious activity, and then Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. So here's the thing. You can't just come to church. You can't just read your Bible. You can't just serve in a ministry. You can't just even serve the poor. You can't just even, by the way, true religion is that, by the way. True religion is a heart of generosity to the least of these. But the reality is this. We have to know and identify who Jesus is by hearing his voice. The scripture says that That the sheep know the shepherd's voice. That we are named as sheep, right? Our good shepherd. He's going to be coming back and he's going to be inviting us, his sheep. But we will only know if it's him if we recognize his voice. Have any of you um, been in a setting somewhere and you don't see a person, but you either hear them sneeze or cough or say something, right? And, and you don't even know who it is, and, but there's a subtlety about what that person is like, oh yes, I know who that is. My mom has a very distinct sneeze. And, and I will tell you, I could be in a crowded room and uh, I will like, that's my mom. <laughs> that's my mom, or I know another person who has this very distinct laugh, and I can be in a room of, and this has happened, of a thousand people, and I heard, hear this person laugh, and I was like, I know who that is. I know who that is. I'll mention her name, Cindy Town. <laughs> uh, she used to be here, and Cindy, I know you're going to be watching this because I mentioned to you, and so you'll appreciate that. But that's the key, is that we will begin to recognize his voice, because if we have an image of what we think it is, and the image does not match up to our expectation, is going to place us in a, in a place of, like, second-guessing and then judging the very gift of who Jesus is. Jesus will return for his church. He will be looking for his bride. And... Does he actually come on a white horse, carrying a sword, and his face is glowing? And we meet him in the sky when he comes? Maybe, but maybe that's imagery, and maybe that is that is something that that we helps describe how he's going to come, but is not actually the way he comes. And I'm saying he may come that way, but I'm just saying sometimes we can get stuck in our Thinking that, of course, I'll just live my life as a good Christian, and then one day, if he comes back in my life, of course, we're not going to miss it. But can I tell you that when Jesus returns to earth, he may not be wearing a white robe with a nice purple sash to identify himself, he might not still be wearing his crown of thorns. He might be in everyday clothes like you and I are wearing. And we need to at some point in time to say, is this the Messiah? Is this the second coming of Jesus? We, we picture in our mind that this is going to be this, this type of event. But the way that Jesus came the first time was Jesus in a manger as a baby born by a virgin, immaculate conception, having brothers and sisters, who then made claims that he was God, and yes, performed miracles, and so, okay, miracles, that's, that's good, but his second coming, we, we anticipate that it's going to be much more grander, which, again, we know there's going to be big battles going on, and it very well could be, but I, I'm, I'm creating the case for you today to say, don't wait with the expectation that someday I will know because of, a, of an event or of a visual encounter that you're going to have. But you really need to dig in to say, you know what, when he shows up, I'm going to know him because I recognize his voice. I'm going to know him because we spent a lot of time together and I, I recognize that voice. This is a time for all of us to, to remove some distractions from our life. This, this season of thankfulness, it's good to come before the Lord and be grateful. But it's also a season that we need to say, how do I train my ear to know his voice? And how do I live my life in such a way? See, Jesus says, I only do and see what the Father in heaven is doing, right? We said a couple of weeks ago, it's like asking the question, God, what are you doing? Keep asking that question because that, that, that begs the, the response for us to say, I need to hear an answer. God, what are you doing? What are you up to? What, are you, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And by the way, so now we're going to go back to the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? This is so key and that's so helpful for us. It says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. John tells us. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit does two things. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live the way that Jesus wants you to live. And I believe the Holy Spirit not only marks you, but also allows you to relate to Jesus and relate to your Father in heaven. The interesting thing is Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the Holy Spirit also, they're one. It's a great mystery. Don't expect me to figure out how to, how to describe, I mean, I can describe it, you know, talking about the Trinity, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like my kids. They're Warrens. Last name's Warren. They, they uh, are unique, but yet they are Warrens, right? They're one. We're a Warren family. And, and so, but, but if you've seen one, you've seen the other. And so here's the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit helps us to identify with Jesus. And it empowers us to live for Jesus. But I also believe that it's, it's the very one that trains our ears, right? When he says, out of your heart... So when you ask Jesus into your life, you're actually asking the Holy Spirit to come dwell inside of you, and that's why it's impossible for people to understand and see who God is without receiving Jesus, because it's only the Holy Spirit that that turns on your spiritual life, so that allows you to be able to begin to hear and see what God is doing. And so, and there's scriptures that say, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And back then, you had all these believers. That's why it's amazing to me. These very devout Jewish people who were like so committed to God, so committed to God, and yet missed the arri- arrival of Jesus, the Son of God. We could be so committed in our, in our good works, in our religious activity, that we can miss the second coming of Jesus, potentially. I don't, I don't know how he's going to come. But I would say that, that I want us to live in such a way that living water flows from us. And, and what's this water? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I always miss one. Faithfulness. Why is that one always the one I'm missing? Faithfulness. By the way, it is not the fruit of your labor, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means you want more of those things in your life, more peace, more joy. Just allow his living water to flow through you. And I believe this, when you find when you link up to your purpose that the Father has for you by asking the question, God, what are you doing? It puts you on a path or a trajectory that makes you come alive because now. Your spirit is alive and active and you're hearing the voice of God through his Holy Spirit that's guiding you. So where they were looking for the ceremonial thing in the, in the Feast of Tabernacles by saying, you know, we remember your goodness, God. We remember how you provided for us. And then they, they wanted to kill the very provider, the very savior of the world while they were still praising God for his faithfulness. And Jesus says, so amazing, on the Feast of Booths, basically saying, I am your provision. On this last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus cried out, if anyone thirsts, and by the way, that's, that's if anyone I love this. If anyone in the entire world, it doesn't matter what you've done, what kind of hat you wear in church, it does not matter. If anyone calls upon the Lord, they will be saved. And out of them will come rivers of living water, which means, remember, religion kills, brings death, but living for Jesus in those moments brings life and life in the full. And out of these gushes, living water. So we are the temple containing the Holy Spirit that wants to be a gushing river flowing from our life. And that gushing river is life-giving things. But then Jesus says, not only do we need to live our life that way, but there will be a day that he returns. He's going to be like a shepherd coming for his sheep the church, the bride, who will understand the voice of the bridegroom, and will have this opportunity to be reunited with him. Now, the interesting thing is, some would say, like we're we're caught up in the air with him, and like, what is that going to look like? Well, can I tell you? After he he comes back again, he's going to establish a kingdom on earth, and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. So, does that mean we just walk around with these like? spiritual beings or does it actually mean that we will actually be ruling, and reigning with him on earth in our physical bodies we don't always know those things but one thing we do know is that we have to be able to have our ears attuned to his voice because that's where the safety is that's where the future is and that's where we're not going to miss what it is that he's trying to do the jews i know i'm repeating myself but the jews missed it In all their fervency for God, they missed it because Jesus didn't come in the package he was expecting. He did not look like what they thought it was going to be. And as a result, they crucified him. Interestingly enough, though, that was the very plan that God needed to take place. But even still, they rejected him. They didn't acknowledge him. And even today, many Jews are still waiting for their Messiah to come. And by the way, when their Messiah comes, if it's the false Messiah, that would be called the Antichrist. We know there's going to be an Antichrist that comes onto the scene. All these images. If you read Revelation, I would encourage you guys to read Revelation, by the way. By the way, it's a blessing um, in that that anybody who reads that book, um, you'll be blessed by it. I was going to read you something from Revelation, but you know what? I'm going to encourage you guys to read that yourself. Sorry. I'm going to conclude by reading this from the book of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Don't be distracted by these peoples. Listen to these words. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus' words. I know my own and my own know me. This is the relationship side. Just as the Father knows me, and i know the father i laid down my life for the sheep and i have another sheep that are not of this fold jews gentiles i must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd one church one jesus For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may be taken up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Church, the people that Jesus is coming back for are the people that will recognize his voice. And he recognizes our voice, which means that we've spent time with him, that we've nurtured a relationship, that when he sneezes, we know Jesus, you just sneezed. (laughs) (laughs) That if he returns in everyday clothes, in an unexpected fashion, That we'd say, I recognize that voice. I recognize that voice. And I know we would say we would never get religious as a church. But can I tell you, I I already know that some of you were bothered by my cap today. (laughs) not saying that that was inappropriate, but I, but I would say sometimes we get stuck on things that we don't need to get stuck on. And it really is a distraction to really the heart of Jesus and what he's trying to accomplish in and through our lives. There's a lot of people that are longing to be known by their father in heaven. They're longing to be belonging to a king in a kingdom to have their sins forgiven, to realize that they are loved unconditionally. Can I tell you something about the New England Church? Because we've been a part of it in closing. So that means you know we're landing the plane in closing. I wasn't planning to say this, but, but one of the things that I've just noticed in the New England Church, we have a, a habit of going to a church for a while, waiting for something to blow up. Then we'll go find another church. We'll wait for something to blow up. We'll go to the next exciting church. I'm not talking about you guys. You guys have been so faithful. But in New England, that is the tendency. And this is why Pastor Richie and I, we have been championing the thought that we are one church working together. This past week, I had lunch with Two other pastors from this area, and and we meet um, monthly for for lunch, and we just are realizing that we're for each other. And as our pastors gather together, we're for each other, and our focus is on one Jesus. You, you know, the the other thing, interesting thing, I, I've just I might just be on my soapbox just for a moment because I want us to realize that as long as we're focused on those little petty things that tend to get us stirred up on the inside, that sometimes provoke a religiosity from us. And I'm, by the way, I'm there too. I'm like, my son plays the drums. He's wearing a hat today. There have been many days on Sunday morning, dad, can I wear a hat? I said, son, you cannot wear a hat in church. And yet I'm wearing a hat in church. Today he knows like that, Dad, you're wearing a hat? I'm wearing a hat. (laughs) He's in there fixing his hair. as says, son, you can wear a hat today, because I'm your dad's gonna wear a hat today. But what I appreciate, talking about Thanksgiving, what I appreciate about this church, and you're modeling so well, is we keep the main thing, the main thing. We keep our eyes on Jesus. And then we realize that there are many people who don't know the Lord that we need to go out and bring them, not necessarily into our church, we need to bring them into a relationship with Jesus. Now they do need to be, belong to a spiritual family at some point. But as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing, then we're listening to what God is saying we hear his voice and we respond, that we are responding to our good shepherd, that we are responding to um, his voice, which will push us to the places where people who are hurting and struggling and people who don't know him, that's where he's going to lead us to. We see that in Jesus' work. All right, to sum up. Sometimes we get preconceived notions of who Jesus is. And we think a lot about believing in Jesus, but we don't get to know him. And he's saying that it's a season that we know him so that we can, when he comes, we can, we can acknowledge who he is. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart. and You've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.